Welcome to this podcast from St. Michael and All Angels Episcopal Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We hope you consider hitting like or subscribe. We hope you will share this audio with your friends and neighbors. Help others know about our inclusive, theologically progressive community of faith. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can make a gift at stmichaelsabq.org. In the name of our one true and loving God, amen. amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> well, happy Feast of All Saints. Feliz Dia de Todos Santos. I don't know how many people got wished a happy uh, All Saints Day, but you're at Episcopal Church, so we do that. Um, across many phases, these days, these days when the nights are getting longer, the days are getting a little colder, they're understood as a time of transition, a moment when the veil between life and death wears thin. I said in the congregation in our email a couple weeks ago uh, that that word thin has been used by the Irish to talk about places, places where the prayers of the people may have made the divine feel a little bit more accessible, places where it can be sensed that God has come close. I've even heard northern New Mexico described as a thin place. And if it's fair to talk about thin places, surely it's also fair to talk about thin time. The days around All Saints Day, they're a time to remember that those who have died, those who have gone before us in faith, are not gone forever. In the language of our prayer book, they are those we love but see no longer. And we celebrate the saints with, that are with us, still now here, especially here. And in a congregation like this one, I'm mindful that some of us grew up surrounded by the saints. St. Francis and Mary and San Isidro and Joseph and the like. And others of us were raised to be suspicious of the saints. They're all Catholics, aren't they? So I want to take just a moment to talk about the Episcopalian sense of the saints. And like many things Episcopalian, our theology may be best expressed in a hymn. It's that hymn that we sang at the top of the service. I sing a song of the saints of God. And the hymn was originally written for kids. And I've worked with many an organist that has complained about the childish tune. But I know, present company of course excluded. Um, <laughs> but I know that for Episcopalians, my mother is one of them, who do not think we have celebrated All Saints Day unless we have sung that hymn. Did you know there are several alternative versions for the lyrics? My favorite one is this. And one was a doctor, and one was a queen, and one was both, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Not mine originally, but it's really good. There's several alternative lyrics, but, but if you continue, you really do, you get the best Episcopalian theology for the saints when it says this, the saints of God are just folk like me, and I mean to be one too. There's a deep invitation in that hymn, right? And in this Feast of All Saints, the invitation is to consider how a life lived in love and in service of others, how a life lived in the way of Jesus and prepares us for life after death. And Jesus didn't talk much 
about life after death. He didn't talk about what happens to us after we die. In John's Gospel, Jesus promises that in God's house there are many mansions. My favorite translation of that, the Common English Bible says, in God's house there is room to spare. Jesus didn't come to teach us the way to heaven. Jesus came to remake the world in which we live. That's why today we have this reading from Matthew's Gospel. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the meek, blessed are the hungry, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers. God knows we need some peacemakers. But listen to what Jesus is saying. Let it hit you. This is not what we expect to hear. We don't expect to hear that the blessings are on those who mourn, on those who are meek, on those who are hungry. Matthew softens it a little bit. Matthew says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Luke just says, blessed are the poor. But we don't expect the blessings to land where they do in Jesus' Beatitudes. We live in a world like Jesus did with an implicit theology, with a set of assumptions about what blessing does, what blessing looks like. We live in a world where a lot of people proclaim themselves to be hashtag blessed. <laughs> Folks make displays of wealth, of abundance, of so-called success, and they say, I'm so blessed. And in these Beatitudes, Jesus is saying, don't trust that theology. That's not how God works. Don't believe that signs of wealth and status are signs of blessing. They're not. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the mourning. Blessed are those who hunger for righteousness. Blessed are those who thirst for a spirituality that is about more than status. A faith that is about more than how much is in your bank account. When you discover that abundant life that spirituality is not about accumulating stuff. It's not about how you look on Instagram. Then rejoice. The reign of God is very close to you. We celebrate saints, I think in part, because there are lives that help us to know, to know that the way of Jesus is not the way of our world. This morning I want to talk to you about two saints that point to the way of Jesus for me. Two saints that lived in the last hundred years, both officially declared saints by the Episcopal Church. The first is Saint Oscar Romero. Now the Roman Catholic Church eventually caught up with us, but you can be proud that um, the Episcopalians got to calling Oscar a saint first. <laughs> you probably know, it, it's interesting, both the saints I picked, uh, 1977 is a big year. Because 1977 is the year that Oscar Romero becomes the Archbishop of El Salvador. And the church thought that they were getting a steady conservative peacemaker, right? They thought that they were getting an archbishop who would help keep the lid on the growing liberation theology movements in Central America. They were expecting a peacemaker who could calm the tensions. They got a different kind of peacemaker. Romero once preached... Peace is not the product of terror or fear. Peace is not the silence of cemeteries. 
Peace is not the silent result of violent repression. Peace is the generous, tranquil contribution of all to the good of all. St. Oscar Romero was a peacemaker who understood what Dr. King said. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of justice. Romero worked and preached and organized to bring justice to the Salvadoran people. And he paid for his witness with his, with his life. In 1980, just three years after becoming Archbishop, Oscar Romero was martyred, was murdered while celebrating the Eucharist. For his courage, his faith, and his vision for a just peace, Romero was made a saint in the Episcopal Church in 2009, and the Roman Catholics caught up in 2018. The second saint that I want to mention today is Polly Murray. Also a big year, 1977, because that year was the year Polly was ordained an Episcopal priest. And Polly Murray has long been celebrated as the first African-American woman to be ordained an Episcopal priest. But in recent years, based on Polly's own writings, we've come to understand that Polly's gender identity it did not fit in the binary. I'm gonna use they, them pronouns for Polly today following their family foundation who's made that decision. At birth, Polly was named Anna Pauline Murray, Baltimore, 1910. And Polly chose the name Polly in part because it was less girly. Friends with Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Eleanor Roosevelt co-founder of the National Organization of Women, most of Polly's life and work centered on the deep intersections of racism and gender inequality. Polly coined the term Jane Crow to describe the world in which they grew up. And Polly was a person ahead of their time, arrested for refusing to move to the back of the bus 15 years before Rosa Parks. Polly once sued because they were refused admission to the graduate program at the University of North Carolina, a university that one of their ancestors helped to found. In recent years, we've learned that the argument that Thurgood Marshall used to desegregate America's schools with the US Supreme Court and the famous Brown versus Board of Education, that winning argument was first made by Polly Murray in a thesis at Howard Law School. Polly, after law school, was supported by the United Methodist Churchwomen, Methodists Be Proud. They compiled a book of all of the laws on race in segregated America. And this was before you could just Google them all, right? Thurgood Marshall called the book the Bible of the Civil Rights Movement because it laid out all the laws that needed to be challenged. And Polly is one of the saints. Polly's story is one of the stories that were not told. We stand on the shoulders of giants in this tradition, and some of their stories we are just learning to tell more fully. Polly helped build the framework for a more just society for women, for LGBTQ plus people, for people of all races and skin colors. And I'm proud to be part of a church that eventually figured out how to ordain Polly. 
and then 25 years later to declare Polly Murray a saint. And I have no illusions that if we hope to be one too, if we aspire to be a saint like Polly Murray, that means there's a lot of work ahead, a great deal of work ahead. We remember the great saints of the church, and we remember the more local saints. We remember the grandparents and spouses and friends. We remember all of those beautiful and imperfect people who helped to point the way for us. And the longer I've been a priest, the more I have come to understand one of the roles of the church is to be a container for grief. Let me say that again. One of the roles of the church is to be a container for grief. I've sat beside countless parishioners walking through the death of a partner, a spouse, a parent, a child. I've known more than a few parishioners who have said, I don't know why, but when I get to church, I just cry. I hope the answer is that the church is one of the few places we don't expect you to always wear a brave face. Church is a place that exists to care for souls. And sometimes what your soul needs is a place to express grief. You need a place where you know you'll get a hug, but only if you want one. Where folks won't try to fix you. At church, we believe that love became flesh. And so part of our work is to incarnate love for one another, to be present in the very human times of life. I wish that outside these walls we were better at death. I wish this time was more celebrated, and not just for candy and costumes, as fun as that is. But our culture avoids death. Our culture avoids people who are dying. We don't like reminders of our mortality that we will all die. But death is simply a part of life. Death for Christians is a mystery. One of the mysteries of our faith is that we believe that death is not final. And all saints and all souls, Dia de los Muertos, the way that we celebrate this time of year in the church, it's an act of resistance. We push back on our death-phobic dominant culture. This year, Gilbert and Lisa and the liturgical arts team did an incredible job building out our ofrenda, our altar of remembrance here in the church. And this year, Gilbert asked me, and I said yes, uh, if he could put a bunch of the ofrenda out in the narthex so that there was room to hang the papel picado. And I was glad to say yes, but when I said to Mandy and JP we were going to move some of the ofrenda, at first there was a lot of resistance. And I know that part of the associate clergy's job is to resist the rector's good new ideas, right? <laughs> but it was JP who said <clears throat> part of what he loves about this time of year at St. Michael's is that we are literally surrounded by the photos and mementos of those who have died. In this church, we are people who gather around a table. And we believe that this table extends out beyond this earthly building right? We gather to break bread, and when we pray the Eucharistic prayer, we say we join in the heavenly banquet. Gathered around us as we pray are those we love and see no longer. Here at this meal, we believe that the veil is not just thin, it doesn't exist. 
The saints of the church, living and dead, are all part of one Eucharistic fellowship. All share in the meal. When news of injustice and violence in our world seems overwhelming, when grief is a great burden to carry, when it seems that the worst theologies are shaping policy, are shaping how our society treats one another, remember you are not alone. The saints of God, like Oscar Romero and Polly Murray, have walked this way before. Our work is to make love incarnate in the here and now, to make justice incarnate in the here and now, to witness to a world where the meek, the poor, the hungry, the spiritual seekers, those who thirst for righteousness, where the peacemakers are blessed. That work is not easy. It's never been easy. But we are not alone. We have doctors and queens, activists and scholars, bishops and martyrs. We always have companions on the way of love. Happy All Saints Day. Amen. Amen.